It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with certified financial planners Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners. Right here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Social security is an extremely important financial benefit involving some of the most difficult decisions you're going to make in your entire financial life. But it is also extremely confusing. So make sure you don't inadvertently reduce or as uh, some folks might say, penalize your social security by taking the wrong steps in your financial life. We're going to help you avoid those mistakes on this episode. You're in for a treat today. It, before we started recording, it's been the blooper reel today. So I don't know what's coming at you this hour. You might have some questions about what we're talking about. Now, social security creates a lot of questions and we've got some stimulus questions as well. So you can reach out to us online, wisemoneyshow.com and submit a question right there. You can call or text us 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Then all over social media, get tons of questions on the YouTube channel and on Facebook. Wherever you're at, you'll find us. Just search The Wise Money Show. Follow us there. All right, numbers uh, transpire really well over the radio waves. I've got a couple numbers for you. 63 million people are on Social Security right now. That's one out of six U.S. residents. That's an alarm. That's a high number. That is a lot. The average Social Security benefit is one thousand five hundred and three dollars per person per month. That's higher than I thought. I was thinking it was close to twelve hundred. If you start drawing Social Security at sixty-five and you live until eighty-five, that's three hundred and sixty thousand dollars of benefit. We're not even counting inflation there. And if you live until age ninety-five. That's $540,000. Have I lost you yet? That's a, it's a big amount. And if you're married, times two. You can't make mistakes with this. Kevin said it. It's one of the biggest financial decisions you're going to make in your life. And yet, it's extremely confusing. And there's two penalties. <laughs> or you could call them reductions, depending on you know, your, your views on things. But two penalties we're going to be talking about today to help you avoid Absolutely. Well, and if, if this really is one of the biggest financial decisions that you're going to make during your lifetime, the risk is, is that you make one of the biggest mistakes of your lifetime. And, and one of the big mistakes as it pertains to Social Security is not really fully understanding how your age plays into the calculation or the lifetime benefits that you're going to, to enjoy. And uh, we, we often talk about penalties and reductions and everything. And let me just kind of draw a distinction here. Penalties or reductions, whatever you want to call them, they happen because you've started drawing before your full retirement age. That's the circumstance that you might find yourself in, in either reductions or penalties. Your full retirement age depends on when you were born. Yep. Okay. If you were born after 1960, then your full retirement age is age 67. 
And if you were born before 1954, then it's age 66. And then it's a sliding scale in between. So many people listening today, it's probably some age 66 plus some odd, no, some, some odd months of some sort, right? And, and, and if you're younger listening to this, we've actually got Kevin's middle child in the studio with us today, Caleb. And Caleb, you'll probably draw your full Social Security around 85. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're going to need to work until 85 to pay the Social Security benefits for your dad and grandpa. <laughs> right, because one out of six people are drawing Social Security I, right now. I, yes. And what's the unemployment rate? Anyway, anyway, so if you draw if you draw your Social Security before your full retirement age and you keep working, that's one of these penalties or reductions. That's the first one I wanted to I wanted to cover. And so I, I guess let's start with, well, how's that even work? Because we do get a lot of people, and you might be thinking this right now, hey, my plan is I will work full-time until I can draw Social Security, 62, it's the earliest you can draw, and then I'll work part-time and start my Social Security benefit. But there's a big trap right there. Yeah, there is, depending on how much money you earn during that phase of working while drawing Social Security. Uh, each year the number changes, but there's a threshold where if your wages go over this amount, they're going to start reducing your benefits uh, from you $1 for every two that you earn. So think 50 cents on the dollar is coming off of your Social Security benefit. That threshold this year in, in the year 2020 is $18,240. This is wages. So think paycheck money, or if you happen to be self-employed, this could be the the, the net profits from your, your kind of side hustle that you have going, that sort of thing. But that's what they're counting. And if you cross that 18,240 threshold, now you're going to start seeing some of your Social Security penalized. So if you're listening and, and you're not in this type of a situation, you might be saying, well, why in the world am I even listening to this show? This doesn't uh, pertain to me. It's not helpful. I would encourage you to kind of lean in because whether you're already drawing Social Security and you need to give some advice to some of your friends who are coming along behind you, or you're going to need to consider drawing it, we meet with people every week who are at 60, 62, 64, and they're, they're trying to figure out what should I do with Social Security. And so think of the 62-year-old that shows up at our office and says, hey, I need a plan, and you know, it, it, there's the best time to do a, a financial plan is in your 20s, and the second best time is today. Mm. Yep. So get your get your plan. And so I'm at, I'm 62. I need a plan. What should I do? I want to be done working. Want to be done working. Want to be done working. Well, a number of these folks, because we're kind of institutionalized, and there are some good things about work when they. When they retire, if they retire at 62 and they turn on Social Security right away, they'll find themselves maybe six months later, maybe a year later saying, you know what, I, I still want to do something. So if I, if I start drawing at 62 and at 63, I get called back to be a consultant for the place that I used to work or I go and um, start delivering groceries for shipped. I mean, I've seen all kinds of crazy things. All of a sudden... If I make over that, just think $18,000, my Social Security is reduced and, or penalized, if you will. And so the question is, should I, what, should I not make over 
$18,000. I tell people all the time, absolutely, make as much money as you can. If you have to give back a few bucks, that's fine. You still net, net, net. The, your bottom line is meaningfully ahead versus if you didn't work at all. I think considering the times, it could be possible that you're laid off or you lose your job or you're furloughed or your company closes or something and you're planning on working three, four more years, but now you're left sort of scratching your head wondering when will I be able to go back and have earnings should I instead turn on Social Security? And I think there's a big risk if you're waiting and you say, well, I guess I'll just turn on Social Security. I need income coming in. I've got unemployment, but I need income coming in. Turn on Social Security and then decide to later go back to work. Um, because, Kevin, even though I wouldn't argue with you on that, there's, um, you know, if you delay your Social Security, it can still grow for you um, mm -hmm that 8% or so a year. That's the key because what we're talking about is a penalty for earning more than this threshold while you're still you're still working and drawing social security early. This is a penalty on top of the reduction that you already voluntarily signed up for. Yeah. By by um, drawing early, you're going to receive a lesser amount for the rest of your life. That reduction is based on the age that you start and then this penalty by working too much uh, it is just piled on top. So what about what if what if you start drawing Social Security early before your full retirement age, but your spouse keeps working? What if you're on unemployment? How does all of that factor into Social Security? And then what is the second penalty that you need to avoid? So we've got that and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Can you draw unemployment and your Social Security at the same time? Good question. Will your Social Security be penalized? That's what we're talking about right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of The Wise Money Show is on podcast as well. Wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that is iTunes or Google Play or whatever they're calling it now or Spotify, whatever, you'll find The Wise Money Show there. So head there and subscribe to it. Rate the show as well and catch every episode on podcast. All right. So we're talking about the two penalties that come when if you make some mistakes with Social Security, where we've addressed the first one that is drawing your Social Security before your full retirement age. For most people, that's in you know, 66 and change or 67, and still working, making more than say 18,000 a year. Guys, does unemployment count towards that 18,000? Can you be penalized on your Social Security by having unemployment? Well, the, the short answer is no. Um, and, and this is a big fear that a lot of people have is if they begin drawing Social Security early, so before full retirement age, and their intentions are to keep on working, um, what kind of income would cause them to start getting a penalty or a reduction against their, their Social Security? It's wages. This is paycheck money. Or if you're self-employed, then your paycheck, so to speak, is considered the profits from, from your side business. 
But uh, things like unemployment or interest income, if you have retirement accounts that you start drawing off of, those things don't add into the calculation on whether or not you've cleared a threshold and start getting penalized. Okay. Just think paycheck money. So what if you are, uh, are, are retiring or you're laid off or whatever, and you're, be, you're, you're younger than your full retirement age and you want to draw Social Security, but your spouse, and you file a joint tax return, your spouse is still working. Let's say they're making 50 grand a year. Is your Social Security penalized because your spouse is making more than that 18000 Well, it depends on how you define penalized. Ooh, we're going to get there next. Yeah. So your when we've talked about the reduction as far as if I make north, if, I, if I'm retired, drawing Social Security, go to work, and I make more than the $18,000, which would cause a reduction of mine, whatever my spouse makes, whether they make 50000 or 500000 that does not reduce my benefit. Yeah. The, 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 the whole idea, if it's $18,000 is the limit, if I made $28,000, that's 10000 over. And so my, my benefit, my Social Security benefit, would be reduced by $5,000. If we haven't said it yet, and maybe your eyes are you know rolling in the back of your head and you're thinking this is so confusing. You you really do need to work with a certified financial planner because not only is it do you need to sort out all these rules, but you need to make your Social Security decision in the context of all six areas of your financial life. It needs to be made in the context of your financial plan, not just whether you can or can't do certain things or have it be penalized. You've got to decide the best way to draw Social Security for your specific situation in the midst of your entire financial life. So one other thing before, I, I mean, Kevin, you baited me into the next penalty there. Um, but we do need to mention in the year that you turn your full retirement age, the rules are different. Technically, you can make more than that 18000 it's just tricky. It's a lot more. It's too. a lot more. Uh, about thirty grand a year more. Uh, your your limitation or that threshold um, that your income can go up to before they start penalizing you goes all the way to forty eight thousand six hundred that year. And I'm I'm just going to ask the question, which you should never ask when it comes to these types of rules, and that is, why 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 would they do that? Why did they do that? The year all of a sudden the year you turn your full retirement age, you can make thirty grand extra. It doesn't make any sense, but you know. I, apparently, it's just consolation. Like you, you got close enough, right? Yeah. Okay. I, okay. One other thing to keep in mind, and this is part of the reason why you work with a certified financial planner when you're making these decisions, like when to draw Social Security and and how to structure your work life if uh, you want to work part time in retirement. We keep talking about annual thresholds, like it's eighteen thousand two forty that you can earn before you start getting penalized. It's technically a monthly threshold. Mm. So you break that down into months. The months matter. Just like uh, drawing early, it's calculated by the number of months that you draw early, not technically the number of years. So sometimes, you know, getting into the details, especially as you get closer and closer to your retirement goal, your, your financial planning really needs to ramp up a lot. Y your conversations with your financial planner, they, they need to get more detailed. Um, and make sure that you're not making any of these mistakes or missing these details. Yeah, people don't want to make mistakes. You know, Mike, you asked the question, why, why, why? Ours is not to question why. Ours is but to do and die. Thank you, Alfred Lord Tennyson. But I, I do think 
what a lot of people are tempted to do is if there's three of us here and I say, well, Mike, what did you do? Okay, Josh, what did you do? And then I say, well, there, there you go. I've got my answer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do what my friends did. And that is one of quite possibly the worst, if not the worst ways to make your decisions because it's highly likely that their financial situation is dramatically different than yours. It's highly likely that their that their health is different than yours. Mm-hmm. Because the folks that I was meeting with this week were saying, well, we just want to know, like, what is the right answer? It's like if, like, we have the teacher's manual in, in the back. Remember in the back of the teacher's book, there were the answers? Well, that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So the answers for your situation, the right answers, and it's important to know the only way you'll ever know whether you got it right or not is after you die. That's the only way we'll ever know for sure whether it was right is in hindsight to see when did you start drawing, how many months did you give up that you could have received. Because mm-hmm. if I'm going to wait until full full retirement age and I die the month before, hey, it's possible that I gave up uh, three or four years of benefit that I could have been drawing. I'm pretty sure you just said a bunch of amazing things, but I was totally distracted by the fact that you were quoting poetry <laughs> on the radio show. I don't think I could quote a single poem. Hmm. Roses are red. One that's fi- about as yeah, far as I go. <laughs> One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. <laughs> All right. So the first penalty is you draw your Social Security before your full retirement age. You can just keep working. And you, you end up making too much. And I've seen this happen. Kevin, you know, sometimes we're asked whether I should do this or not. I've seen it happen inadvertently. So you got to watch out for that. Here's the way I view taxes. You tax is like a speed limit, you know, and, and and sometimes people are like, well, taxes, you know, what is it? There's only two certainties in life and um, death and taxes. Death and taxes. I view taxes as like a canker sore. Yeah, well, so so, but but <laughs> basically, the more you tax, sciatica, the, the slow the slower I'm gonna go. Right? It's like it basically like, hey, don't don't go too fast here. And here's the thing, and this it's those of you that know me. Um, know that I can really get on a soapbox here with Social Security and taxes. Um, but yes, it's true. They do tax it. They, they might tax it. They could tax it if you aren't careful. And I view that as another penalty. Yeah, or, or at least another surprise or a mistake, right? Because at, at the end of the day, um, depending on your income situation, you may have to count uh, up to 85% of your Social Security on the tax return. The tax is 85%? That's what everyone hears, isn't it? Mm, yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had to kind of clarify that point. It, you no, know, you're not going to pay 85% of your Social Security to the tax man. Right. The easiest way to say it is just, hey, you're going to pay taxes on all the Social Security that you receive. <laughs> <Or most. laughs> that would be a lot, lot That's more That's closer to the truth right. and, and more instructive than almost any other way you can say it. All right. So, th- so there it is. There's the second penalty. But you have a lot of choice with this, believe it or not. And you say, wait, are you telling me to cheat on taxes? No, I'm telling you to follow the laws and basically make some financial decisions, do tax planning to maybe allow your Social Security to be less taxed than otherwise. We're going to tell you how that and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Horhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 
Okay, so we said that one of the penalties on your Social Security is that it could be taxed. You got to pay state tax on it? What about FICA tax? And at what tax rates? And how do you avoid it? Can I ask any more questions? I think I could. All right, we're hitting that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search Wise Money Show. Follow us there, like it, subscribe, set up notifications, all that sort of stuff. Because not only do you get this show every single week, you get a next wise step every single business day. Uh, talking through what's going on in the financial world and how it applies to you and what steps you need to take. Social Security, we we cover a lot there because it's so stinking confusing. With Social Security, one of the penalties, the way I view it, is taxes. I just, I, I'd rather have you make choices, make decisions in your financial life. We call that tax planning so that Social Security can be less taxed. Um, can we just hit a little bit about how this works like when 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 does maybe in general terms when does social security become taxable yeah it, it all depends on what your sources of income are there's a crazy calculation it's it's complicated and uh, the way that i could maybe best describe it is essentially on your tax return your cpa is going to take all your other sources of income and add to it half of your social security and then it gets measured against certain thresholds and when you clear certain levels, all of a sudden, some of your Social Security is going to start showing up on the tax return as income that gets counted. And it's, it's that calculation, you know, totaling up all of your sources of income and how much of Social Security applies. That's what determines ultimately how much tax you're going to pay. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has to count their Social Security on their return because they don't have a lot of other income going into this, this crazy calculation. And, and the big mistake or the penalty, or, or I would use the word surprise that can often occur, is you have some event that, that happens in a taxable year that makes your income spike all of a sudden. Maybe it's something you did on purpose. Maybe it was just some great windfall that you received. But whatever it was, it causes this calculation to go up and therefore more of your Social Security to be counted. And, and before you know it, it's almost like a double whammy against you. You're, you're going from not even counting Social Security to all of a sudden being in a high enough tax bracket that you're, you're paying some real taxes. That surprise you talk about, I mean, the way you framed it, it almost sounds like this, um, this, this good thing, this surprise. You know, the number one surprise in this as it relates to, oh, I, my Social Security is all of a sudden taxable, that I found, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think, is the new car. Okay, I need a car. And I don't want to get a car loan. You know, I'm 72. I'm not getting a car loan. So I know you've only been sending me $1,000 out of my out of my IRA, and that's low enough where it doesn't make my Social Security taxable, and I'm in a pretty great tax situation. Hey, send me 20 grand, and I can buy this car, or yep. 25 grand. And then, bam. I mean, it's almost like if you don't have enough other income in that calculation that Josh just shared— and, and therefore, none of your Social Security is taxable, it's pretty much like you're not going to pay any federal tax. That's right. I mean, the way they have the standard deduction now, it's, it's pretty much like you're not going to pay any tax. And then all of a sudden, once Social Security starts getting taxable, you quickly get through the 10 and very easily into the high 12% tax bracket just because of just it's about a ten dollars to $15,000 difference, which is about a car. Right. So when, when we ask folks, hey, who helps you with your tax planning? They are tempted to say, "Well, you know, this this um, TurboTax, yeah, I, or I just 
someone on the block. And so you just say, all right, well, that's preparation. Who helps you with the planning? Because what you're illustrating, Mike and Josh, is I've got a, I have to, I have a decision to make. I either have to create a tax minimization strategy or a tax maximization strategy, which means I'm going to pay as much tax as I possibly can. Because if you get to a point where your Social Security benefit, which shows up on line 5A, is mostly showing up again on line 5B, which means that's what you're paying taxes on, you probably should try and find a way to get to the top of the 12% tax bracket. Pay as much tax as possible in the lowest possible bracket. And I was showing that to some clients yesterday, and I was talking about possibly doing, as long as you're going to pay tax on most of your Social Security. This year. This year, and you've got some room in the 12% tax bracket, why don't we do a Roth conversion? Yes. And they said, so you're you're saying you think our kids should pay, uh, you, you think we should pay taxes on this money, not our kids. And I said, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the person in the lowest possible tax bracket should pay taxes on it. You're in the 12% tax bracket. All three of your kids are in the 22% tax bracket. And if you both died tomorrow, they're going to inherit this IRA money. They're going to have to take it out and pay taxes on it over the next 10 years. Used to be their lifetime. Now it's 10 years. Mm-hmm. And when they do, they're possibly going to go from 22 to 24 to who knows. Mm-hmm. So I'm not suggesting that I want your, I want you to pay taxes on it so your kids don't. I'm just, I am just representing your financial plan, and your financial plan says have the person in the lowest tax bracket pay the taxes on the money. Yeah, I, I love that as a rule of thumb. And if that doesn't get someone to move, here's a scenario that, that might. What if it's not both spouses are gone tomorrow, one spouse is gone tomorrow? Yeah. And you have an opportunity to, to get money out of an IRA and into a Roth IRA where it's tax-free forever for the surviving spouse. Because one of you is most likely going to pass away before the other. It's pretty uncommon for a married couple to both die in some crazy accident, but it obviously does happen. Did you ever watch The Notebook? Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't, yeah. actually. But we don't My, have time Mike's for a that. Crier, we so don't have... should stay away from that one, right? So, so it, do you have to pay FICA tax on your Social Security? No, you do not. Uh, don't get me started. Um, it, do you have to... Uh, is it taxed by the state? Now, I don't know all 50-plus... But at least the states that I'm aware of, you don't. It's a it's a deduction. Your Social Security, any Social Security that's taxable on your federal return, is a deduction on your state return. I'm not saying that there's, for every there, state. There's 13 states that that doesn't apply for. For but now, all of them around here, uh, yeah. around our neck of the woods, uh, your Social Security doesn't get counted on the state return. But be careful how you vote, because uh, last I checked, states are struggling financially, and this could be uh, right for the for the picking. Okay, we've got just. We've, we've got to hit this. What? So what do you do? What do you do to avoid these penalties, specifically the tax? Well, we've already said it. The first thing is if you haven't, if you, if you didn't create a financial plan in your 20s and you don't have one right now, you need to contact a CFP who does comprehensive financial planning and start the financial planning process because figuring out the best way to draw Social Security and avoid these penalties is part of that process. That's what you need to be doing right now. The other, I mean, the other couple things. I think, I think Roth. I think, I think Shoebox HSA, Investing HSA. Um, 
I think if you're right on the cusp of retirement and all your money is pre-tax, saving as much money as possible into cash and Roth, what else? Well, I mean, you're getting into specific um, strategies. It depends on the fact pattern. It depends on someone's situation, which is exactly why the right answer is the financial yeah. plan, that relationship with your certified financial planner. They're going to help make sure that when you take action, you've considered all of the potential consequences, which includes tax ramifications uh, you know, associated with your Social Security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would answer that question. You know, what's the strategy to avoid taxes on my Social Security? My my strategy is don't. Don't, don't avoid it? Don't avoid it. Uh, it, it it's going to stink, but pay it. And, and, and this is where you want to prove it to yourself. Don't take my word for it. Prove it to yourself that that's the best strategy for you. And, and, and clarity, confidence, and any creativity – that is the those are the objectives those are the three mandates of your certified financial planner all right we've got a great question here about a two of them here about how does the stimulus money really impact me should i make some decisions that and more coming up here on the wise money show with corhorn financial group This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content wherever you're at on social media. You'll find the Wise Money Show right there. Just search the Wise Money Show. Subscribe, follow, like, leave comments as well. We appreciate it. That helps other people find our content, the wise content, uh, amidst all of the other financial noise that's out there. And it just feels like with all this chaos going on with the coronavirus and recession and blah, 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 there's a whole bunch of financial noise. So uh, find us on wherever you're at in social media. Just search the Wise Money Show. All right, we're into my favorite section of the show, and that is questions from fans. And I got a couple anonymous ones here. I think they were just posted on uh, on some some Facebook or um, YouTube social media. First one's kind of an oldie but a goodie, because I think there's just still a lot of questions about this. Can I not claim my college student so that they could receive some stimulus money? Now, this is interesting. There was all this uproar about these direct payments, these direct stimulus payments called the helicopter money. It's all this uproar that if you were just on Social Security or you weren't filing a tax return or if you were a veteran, you were going to be you were going to miss out. And everyone was just all up in arms. Well, all of that was rumor. You you, you didn't miss out. However, if you're a college age student, you missed out. That's like right. they they specifically said, hey, if you're in college, nope. Right. So, because you didn't get the $1,200 check dumped into your bank account, and your parents didn't get a child uh, benefit for you either. Right? I can't believe that. Like, I, Do you think it was intentional? <laughs> Does yeah. Congress do anything intentional? <laughs> I wonder. I mean, if it wasn't intentional, what an enormous blunder. Because uh, they, I mean, specifically, it, so if you could, um, if you could have been claimed as a dependent on someone else's return. And the question is, can I just choose not to claim them? No. Right. I mean, you could, I guess, 
but it doesn't no, make them it, eligible for a stimulus check. Right. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. And and I was in that situation where I said, I want to not claim my college student so that my college student can receive the stimulus check. And my CPA said, uh, no, you have to claim them. And I said, well, what benefit do I get from claiming him? And there's no financial benefit to me to claiming him. And so it does It does feel like if you... Um, if you want to play the victim card, yep. Yep. It, when you need to be able to claim a dependent to get some sort of help on your taxes, you can't. <laughs> and when you when you want to not claim someone, you have to. Yeah, it doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense. I'm looking at Caleb, Kevin's middle son, in the studio with us today, and it's his fault. I'm trying to read whether there's a feeling of vulnerability on his face right now, like. His uh, his status in the family might be in jeopardy with uh, no no benefits coming to these college students. However, there may be other benefits that really make it uh, kind of a no brainer for you to, of course, want to claim your college student if you're getting some of the normal college credits that have been around for ages. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. A C- couple other things related to this. Uh, number one, I-, I was just joking at the break that you know you mentioned stimulus on YouTube and it is a stimuli. I mean, like, like it is, there is so much buzz around stimulus right now. So is there gonna be another $1,200 check? Uh, you know, it's, who do I, and then will it be set up where, the, where it's the same that these college students or these dependents who aren't younger than 17, uh, you won't get the money? I, I, I don't know, we, we'll see. Uh, but here's what you wanna know in 15 seconds or less. If you are married and made less than $150,000, in the last one or two years, this is—it's incredibly complicated. But if you if think if your income's less than 150, or if you're single and less than 75, yep, Mike's time. Yeah, that's right. That then then you should be getting some some sort of a check. And if you have children, your children should be getting some sort of a check. So it, there's 35 million as of right now, 35 million stimulus checks that have yet to be mailed. So there are a lot of folks who are likely unaware. And there is a lot of confusion because early on, as I was talking with folks, they're like, well, yeah, I got this check and it's sitting in my bank account, but I'm I'm not doing anything with it because I'm just gonna have to pay it back at the end of the year. Hmm. So I think we're gonna, are we gonna shed some light on that? Yeah, go ahead. Well, (laughs) okay, here we go. (laughs) The big reveal, drum roll please. No. So it's a it's a 2020. It's a tax year 2020 tax credit. And because it's a tax credit in and of itself, it's not taxable income to you. It's a tax credit. Now, the weird thing is that they will give you that credit in advance if your 2019 return was filed and your income was below those thresholds, or if your 2019 return wasn't filed, then your 2018 return was filed and it was below those thresholds. Now, the question then is, well, wait a second, what if my 18 or 19, 2019 income was below those thresholds, but 2020, I think my income is going to be a little bit higher. Um, Kudos to you. I mean, by the way, Um, they're not going to take it back. They're not going to take it back. If, if you qualified in 19 and 18 or 18, and yet you wouldn't have qualified in 2020. But the reverse, the reverse of that, if you didn't qualify in 19 or 18, but you would qualify in 20, I, I'm, I'm saying it definitively, but not absolute, because I trust the government just as far as I can throw it. And <laughs> that is, 
it's supposed to show up as a tax credit on your 2020 return if you didn't receive it and weren't eligible based on 19. Well, you got to wonder how many people are going to remember that fact nine months from now. And, you know, somehow papering your file or, or, or somehow beginning your 2020 tax file with a note to yourself. Um, ho- hopefully your CPA, certainly your certified financial planner should have this on their radar screen to make sure that if, if you haven't gotten a check and you are eligible in 2020, make sure you get it. All right. You want to you wanna see, you want to hear some stimulus, guys? Sure. Kevin's going to have a stimulus here when he hears this next question. This one gets him fired up. <laughs> Next, this one's also anonymous. It came on on the social media. With all the money printing and stimulus and all this money that's been injected into this system, is right now the time to buy gold? Absolutely, buy gold to your hands bleed. I mean, this, <laughs> I and I can't. Be- I told you. <laughs> I, I can't believe you're even asking the question. Take your stimulus check and buy gold. Buy gold. Buy gold. Buy gold. Buy gold. Gold oh necklaces, my. though, right? You're the Mr. T starter set guy, right? <laughs> hey, I'm going to have gold teeth with a with a K, uh, right? A, a no, di- but so a diamond K, right? And the- no, listen. Here's the question. I just go back to in the late '70s, early '80s. I don't have it up in front of me when gold was $800 an ounce. And right now it's sixteen hundred dollars. Seventeen hundred, I think. Seventeen hundred in that range. Yeah. So, and what happened earlier this year when all asset classes went down? When all asset classes drop off a cliff like they did earlier, mm-hmm. gold isn't going to, right? It, so, right, because mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a hedge, right? It's a safe haven. <laughs> Safe haven is the one that gets me. It's yeah. extremely volatile, but but so it didn't. It, you know, the first couple of year, the first couple of weeks when there was panic selling, first uh, or the last week in February, first week in March, gold did okay. But then when the panic waterfall was happening, the next couple of weeks in March, no gold dropped just like everything else, and as much as everything else. And so that safe haven is uh, is is just not not really that safe. So so instead of just um, throwing cold water on the idea. There are some things that you, that I don't like about buying gold. Be, the The problem with gold is it's not really bought; it's sold. So people yeah. sell you on the idea, and so if you listen to the radio and they say, "Hello, this is Joshua from Gregory Financial, and uh, <laughs> we see gold prices doubling within the next six months," so right. the smart people are all buying it. No, there there are there are certain costs with buying uh, something that represents gold. There are certain costs with buying and storing physical gold. And what what is the what is the dividend yield on gold? <laughs> yeah, zero. zero. Uh, it you, you it doesn't even pay to, you interest. Doesn't you, pay a dividend. You didn't okay. even need to go there. You said early eighties. Let's just say eight nineteen eighty. That gold was eight hundred an ounce. And if you then heard Kevin say, "But it's you know sixteen seventeen hundred today," you'd say, "That's stinking good." Well, the S and P five hundred, the stock market, is. Yeah, three thousand. Okay, this is around three thousand right now. It was a hundred and twenty-eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back in nineteen eighty-one, it was a hundred and eighteen in nineteen eighty, and on top of that rise from a hundred and twenty-eight to three thousand, it's been paying an average dividend between two and three percent a year on top of that growth. 
It's because when you invest in the U.S. stock market, you're investing in world-class corporations, companies that are businesses, well-run companies. Not all of them. Some of them are, you know, their best days are in the rearview mirror, but not most. You know, most companies are providing valuable services and products that you and I want and need. And because of that, they earn profits that you could own a share of. And, and also, those companies, they own physical assets themselves. They own vehicles and plants and distribution centers and stores and things. And those things tend to go up in value with inflation as well. That's really the play here, I think, that the question is being asked about is, yep. is this a, some sort of a protection? Gold, is, is it a protection against inflation due to all the cash that's been pumped into the economy, all the printing of money that's happening. A lot of people fear that inflation is just going to run wild. And and there's just this mentality that gold, well, it's just a great hedge or protection against inflation because it goes up in value with inflation, right? Well, it goes up and down in, val- in value, and it's more speculative than, in, in nature. I like owning things like real estate and companies, you know, stocks to protect me against inflation, not gold. The other thing is, does will all this money printing actually create inflation? And you'd say, well, that guy's an idiot. Of course it will. Well, did it in 2008 and nine, right? When they did all this stimulus. It actually didn't. Right. It, it actually didn't. And, you know, if you're, if you're following us on the, on the Wise Money Show YouTube channel, you've heard me talk about the velocity of money. And how the more stimulus we've had, we haven't had as much money circulating around the economy. It's not moving as quickly. And um, could it now? Well, geez, if this, if this economic crisis was really just a flash in the pan, right, if it was and we dumped all this money in the system, we actually might get inflation now. We might. I don't know, though. We didn't last time. So that's a big question mark. If you're trying to hedge against inflation— I'm not sure I completely agree with Josh. I'm not sure gold's the way to do it. But I would also ask, do you do you need what? Did Josh pr- It sounds like that? you just said that you disagree with me. Oh, no. I I thought I thought you said uh I like real estate and the S&P 5 or stocks. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> not on we, the same page. Now that we got sound like it. That's yeah, all. now that we got that clear. And owning yeah, those out of time. owning those in a very efficient manner. That's right. Which is possible. All right. But That is all the time we have for today. Hey, thanks for the questions. Continue to leave more. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.